Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. A reminder, we are streaming live on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Monday to Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wulu, and I am joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. Alex, uh, what what generic greeting are you going to give me right now? Uh, a happy hump day, uh, happy Asian Heritage Month, and also uh, may the 4th be with you, Will. I don't know if you're a big Star Wars fan. But we are going to the Blue Jays game tonight with some friends. And it is Star Wars night at the Rogers Center. So, um, yeah, uh, may the 4th be with you, man. Yeah, thank you for hooking up the tickets, Alex. I appreciate it. You know, my um, uh, I love all sports, not just basketball and soccer. And, uh, yeah, I look, I look forward to, uh, you know, just, just watching the game with you, you know. Um, yeah, but, I don't. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to call you out, but whatever poker app you're on, I can hear all the sounds right now, bro. Oh, <laughs> what my ringtone? <laughs> yeah, That's so I'm just letting turn off my phone. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I, I, I'm just letting you know. Um, and I can no, also hear myself really as well. Drake at the empty arena. So. Yeah, no, it's t- it's tough right now. I can also hear myself through your through your laptop for some reason. But anyways, luckily we're not live, and this is just a dress um, rehearsal. So welcome, oh, welcome. to the seventy uh, fifth uh, best Raptor show episode that you're gonna hear this season. Uh, like Will mentioned, we're gonna be at the Jays game. Shouts to AK for the tickets. Uh, Will who stands, just come to section one twenty two um, in the third inning, and he'll be there. Do this, man. Don't do this. All right, Alex. You know what? Here. Hold it down for thirty seconds. I'm gonna I'm gonna disconnect. I'm gonna hop right back on. Yeah, and, I'm uh, I'm gonna you, hold it down. You you just you just get out of here. So welcome to the Raptor Show without Will Lou for for thirty seconds today. We're gonna go through some of the player exit interviews that took place last week and kind of just do a recap of the season because you know I think you know when you look at players like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, even guys like Gary Trent Jr. And Chris Boucher, like, you know, there's been so much development and then so much up and down for each of those players during the season. So we can go through that. And also shout outs, by the way, to uh, everybody who, you know, donated and bought tickets to our Asian Heritage Month uh, event. Uh, there there are only, uh, I'm checking right now, there are only nine tickets left for sale Wait, before we're sold out full capacity. Yeah, so there's only we nine tickets left. just announced this yesterday. Yeah, so superfresh.eventbrite.ca. And I know a lot of people was wondering uh, what we were actually going to do at the event because I guess we didn't give a lot of details of ah, what the fine. show was going to be. And uh, yeah, like I told everyone, I haven't thought too much about it. But yes, I, I did think about it a little yesterday. That will be the only place where we're going to rank Raptors players as dim sum items. You know, that's going to be a live show exclusive. Mm. Uh, because it's Asian Heritage Month, we're going to be drafting our favorite Asian first and last names. And uh, oh, yeah, okay. we're going to have lots of special guests. We're going to have a Will Lou quiz. I'm going to do 35 minutes of shout outs. Uh, you know, we'll have audience Q&A, all of that stuff. And I am securing a lot of prizes for people. So for any brands or agency that has worked with me, if you haven't gotten an email from me this week, you will be getting one. Um, and, and I'm calling in just every single favor. So uh, yeah, w- welcome back, Will. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I mean, first off, what an honor. Um, that's 100 plus tickets sold in like 24 hours for two people who didn't even promise to do anything specifically. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, but also it's really it's really cool. I mean, I know you already asked me uh, yesterday if you want to do a second day. I mean, we might have to discuss this, um, you know, 
But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 awesome. I think that's that's the cool thing about the Raptors fan base is that like they'll really come out and show and support, and uh, we'll make sure it's a really good time. And um, yeah, no, I'm incredibly humbled. This is actually incredible. Yeah, and, and you know the most important thing is we raised about almost two thousand dollars to the not for profit Asian Gold Ribbon, and for people who can't make the event, which is on May sixteenth, if you still want to donate uh, to this organization, just go to asiangoldribbon.com and there's a donate button at the top. Uh, donations are obviously appreciated, and you know, Will, I know you calling me out because it's off season mode. You know, my my kneecaps were dragged through the mud on Twitter on Monday, but mm. uh, but I am working hard um, to also secure. Uh, you know, a, a partnership with with one of our favorite Raptors artists to 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 illustrate you and and that famous photo of you in the money tree, oh. uh, and put that out as a print and also a hoodie, and it will work out where the proceeds are going. So um, I'm working real hard for Asian Heritage Month, uh, but only for me and you, though. Yeah, well, no, this is. I mean, you know, this is why you're my agent. Like, this is incredible. Yeah, so, it's because I wake up. It's because you're, it's you're I my Jordan. <laughs> It's because I wake up at 9 a.m. now, and I'm like, wow, we have a one-hour show to prep instead of 10 hours of content, and uh, wow, I'm really living a blessed life. I'm really that mm. LeBron Instagram post right now every morning when I wake up. Like, I can't believe this is my life. Yeah, no, me neither, but uh, as we did mention, <laughs> we do have lots of thoughts on just, look, the, the exit interviews, which I, I think, you know, um, they took place so quickly because I think nobody was ready for the season to end last week in game six like people were kind of just like assuming it'll go to seven and really oh, was really it was it because we spent 10 hours seven. talking about no. how the raptors were going to come back from 3-0 i feel like that was our fault to be honest we don't have to litigate these things you know it's fine but <laughs> um yeah I, I just don't think that anyone was really expecting to or even really in the mind space to consume player exit interviews um the day after on friday obviously a lot of the players have gone so i you know, talked about um, on yesterday's show was just chatting with the Raptors PR people. I think everyone has, all the players have gone and left the city or, or gone on vacation, which is exactly what you expect after them working nonstop for eight straight months. Um, so, you know, I, I guess it did make sense that all that took place on Friday. It just felt so sudden and so abrupt that the season was over. And I don't think that people had time to process it. But over the weekend, we were able to go through, digest all of what they said and, and sort of their thoughts on the season and how they did and, and their relation to the team. And uh, yeah, I, I, I would, let's go through them. Yeah, for sure. So let's start with Fred Van Vliet. So Fred talked about last week at his exit interview, you know, obviously he missed the last two plus games of that first round series, that he was dealing with a bone bruise that he suffered against the New Orleans Pelicans. Some people might remember that I think it was like a 30 plus point blowout. I think this was one of the few times this season that that Will just called an audible and wrote five things instead of 10. Um, so, so Fred developed the bone bruise and decided to play through it after the all-star break and there was clearly he was clearly hampered by that right and and, you know he was listing out his injuries uh the right knee soreness that was bothering him for the second half of the season and the hip flexor strain that he suffered in the series against the sixers um so he talked about all of that and you know he had some comments about where he thought the raptors were uh in terms of their rebuilding um so here's a clip of fred talking about uh the raptors progress this season well it's time it's time now um, you know, that's about as much building as we all want to do. I think uh, we're, we we have the pieces, and now how do you put those pieces together? Um, can you add a few pieces around the board? 
Um, and then how do you make it work? How does it make most sense to be the most efficient, um, the most lethal team that you can put out on the floor? And I think we can definitely get better within without adding anything. So um, whether we add some more shooting or a big, you know, that would obviously help. But I think the team that we have right now, if we just played a little bit better and, and smarter and more, you know, I think we can use our strengths a little bit better. And that's something that we'll address as players, you know, in the off season and try to come back um, next year. And just, it, it's it's uh, it's weird to be in, in a, such a up in the air season where nobody thought you were going to be any good, but you know you're good. And so we were playing for a championship, but it was kind of free basketball, so to speak. So I think coming back with a singular mind, singular goal in mind, I think that will help and um, let us all fall into our roles and um, be the most effective team we can be. I think this comment caught a lot of people's attention, especially what Fred said at the beginning about the building being pretty much over and especially after hearing Masai yesterday I would say Masai contradicted Fred a little bit you know when he was preaching patience and the development of the players uh what's your take on Fred's uh, own timeline of this team yeah I mean first off I, I really do love um the fact that the media will ask Fred the same questions that they will ask to Masai that the, the same questions <laughs> that they asked to Nick Nurse um we kind of just expect Fred to have answers on um, what it's like being a GM, what it's like coaching the team. Uh, I guess we just really expect like Fred to have all the answers all the time. Quite frankly, he gives great answers, so I, 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 I have no issues with this approach. It's just kind of funny. Like you wouldn't, for example, ask like Chris Boucher, like, "Hey, what do you think about the roster construction? Like, what do you think you need to do with the roster?" Like, it just wouldn't really happen, but it does for Fred. I think. I mean, I don't necessarily think they disagreed with each other. I, I think in Fred's case, what he's really saying is the building is over in the sense that like you know it's not like this year was really that found money year right like expectations coming into the season even if you had high expectations i think the raptors still exceeded them and um you know that comes with being a young team that comes with you know a lot of these new pieces not having played for the raptors like you think about two of the most prominent players at the end of the season those being precious and uh and scotty like they you know they weren't on the team previously so you don't really know how they would perform but We've seen them perform. We know what they can do now. And I think that the rebuilding portion is definitely over. Like, I, I don't think that they're going to, I mean, clearly they don't because they already traded their first round draft pick. Like, that's not another season where they really want to, you know, uh, do the Tampa tank kind of thing. And I think obviously that went out the window very fast uh, at the start of the season. And um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the other assessments of the roster, it's just sort of like adding a few few pieces around the core. And already talked about it, you know, it, it, the assessment. It was asked um, of Masai if uh, the plan for the roster is to sort of keep building around the existing core, similar to what happened around the trade deadline when they um, added a guy like Thad. And Masai just said correct. And I think that he's probably going to stick to that same plan. And so in that sense, I don't think him and Fred are on different pages. Um, and also, like, I, I forgot to ask this, and I kind of was kind of kicking myself a little bit. But when I when we when we had Bobby uh, Bobby Webster on, on the uh, on the podcast, and I was interviewing him, I really forgot to ask him which player would make the best GM. I think he would have said Fred. Yeah, I think that would be an obvious answer. Like, I feel like anytime you ask those questions about this team, the answer is Fred. Like, who would make the best coach? It's Fred. Like, who would make the best GM? It's Fred. I think I think the Fred comments just interested me because. 
you know, people have talked a lot about how Fred and Pascal are like on a slightly different timeline than some of the other younger players on the team. And I don't think necessarily this is a concern or a talking point right now, but I think it just goes to show too that Fred's not trying to wait around for for a rebuild. And Fred's not trying to wait around with a franchise that's just looking to develop players. And I think he's just trying to win now. And I think it's a combination of just his competitiveness and, and really, I think, just the the belief in this team. And that's one thing I think I forgot to talk to you about yesterday, too, is like the, the one takeaway that I had coming out of the Masai presser was Masai clearly believes in this core group because mm, yeah. he's not the type that would talk about a core group like that if he doesn't believe in them. Um, and so I think for Raptors fans, it's it's really going to be like, do you believe in this core group as much as Masai does? Because it seems like Masai is going to exercise a lot of patience with this group. Yeah, and again, I don't think that's just a surprise anybody. He did the exact same thing with the last group in the last core. And the thing that I, for a lot of fans, and that probably includes us as well, there will be moments of, where we lose patience, but the front office has more patience and, you know, we'll feel an urgency. The front office doesn't feel the same urgency or the cost and whatever doesn't really weigh out the same. Um, and I think my only reminder to fans at that point when we eventually reach it and probably to my future self as well, is just like, you know, going back to that Bobby interview when I sort of asked him like, hey, well, you know, what point in the season do you really feel like, you know, wow, you guys are pretty good. Let's add to this core and build for it. And he kind of like didn't understand or like couldn't process what I was saying to him. Yeah, and, that's because you're that's because you're a civilian, and Bobby doesn't talk to civilians. Yeah, mostly, but also momentarily, he was like, "Oh," and then he realized what I was saying, and he's like, "Okay, I see the confusion here." He's like, "For us, we plan for like a million different scenarios, and anything that happens is sort of just like we picked one of the scenarios. We didn't like, we're not just like going along. It's like if you if you ever manage the fantasy team, you're not like midway through the week, you're like, hmm, I could probably steal like take steals." In this week, let me go stream for a couple steals. Like the the front office does not work like that. Um, so they have plans well in advance, and I think they kind of stick to those. And and um, you know, uh, I, I'm sure there are going to be fans impatient this year. I think a lot of fans hear some of these comments, and they're like, "Well, yes, yes, we do like this core, but also we want to see significant improvements." We're watching the playoffs, and we're seeing special talents. Like we, I was watching John Morant last night, and he was simply unstoppable. Like, where is our John Morant? level star right where is our you know steph curry level star you know you know you look at the the celtics coming back yesterday jalen brown going off in the first half like okay do we have a second guy like a jalen brown like you know i I think those questions will be fair to ask and i think fans will always want more but um you know as of right now i think the most prudent thing for the raptors is to continue beyond that core And, and the good thing with Masai, as i mentioned earlier is just like you know when the right trade comes along, when the right opportunities come, he's going to strike. And that's what we saw with that championship team and the way they were built together. They developed a lot of pieces, they developed a lot of first-round picks, they built a lot of draft equity. And when the moments came, they were able to flip those pieces into championship players who were able to come together and win, whether that's Kawhi, whether that's Serge getting added through the trades, whether that's Mark getting added through trades. Like, he will do it, too. So, um I, I guess it's like easy for us to say right now, especially in the offseason, but just sit back. Like they're, they're going to do their job. Yeah. And I, I think the other important point for people to remember is that like Messiah has done this. Like you look around executives around the league who have plans or who have visions for their roster. Like, I mean, I mean, I, w- I would use Daryl Morey as an example. I know he's been a very successful executive, but we've never seen him win a championship. No, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, please be, please just you know stick to basketball when it comes to Daryl. Um, so, um, like with Masai, like this, 
this front office has done it before. And I think that has to buy them some trust from uh -huh, the fan yeah. base as well. Yeah. And I think Masai's, I could tell Masai was already trying to start to get ahead of this a little bit too. Like in the same in the same breath of him talking about that all they care about is winning and they, they just want to win the championship, he was preaching a lot of patience too. Like, like I think in a way he he was trying to to let the fans know that you know this is going to be the core group. Like this is going to be the core group for the foreseeable future. Um, yeah, but all of that's going to be really interesting because I think I think the expectations are going to get ramped up like next year. But we'll have um, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. So Fred also detailed his off season plan this summer, which I thought it was really interesting. The comments that he made. Uh, here's what he said. A uh, little bit of everything, you know. I'm I'm never too proud to ask for help or to seek out advice. I think I'm at that crossroads where like 20 points isn't a good game anymore. Um, you know, I went from like underrated, undrafted to overrated like very fast. So uh, I gotta I gotta start getting outside the box. You know what I mean? I gotta start doing things that I've never done before. I gotta get uncomfortable. I gotta you know find ways to get better. So at least. I can say I, I've done everything that I possibly could, and um, there's still more things that I can I can explore um, personally to get better, and, and I'm looking forward to doing that this summer. Listen, that's uh, objectively that's, that's a great, so real. Man. That's a great quote. That's a great quote. Yeah. But but I am only going to push back. Um, what are the things that you think specifically Fred needs to work on if he's going to get uncomfortable, like he said? Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, we've been asking for it for a couple of seasons now where you look at a lot of the small guards in the league and part of the reason why they succeed is they have that um, floater package uh, because obviously when you're small, you can't always go to the basket and finish as strong as you want to. I thought Fred did a good job at the start of the season using the mid-range game, especially attacking drop defenses. Um, you know, uh, even his finishing around the basket was improved at the start of the season. I think injuries really clouded the season overall and I think, you know, um, it, it really robbed him a lot of quickness. So I think first and foremost, he's got to get healthy again um, and stay healthy. But, you know, it, it's there are still spots in his game that he can continue to improve on. I think Fred at this point in his career reminds me a lot of Kyle after 2015. Like, you know, um, you know, you've emerged, you made an all-star team. Um, and, and that was 2015 was the first year Kyle made the all-star, by the way. Uh, but you 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 suffered the injuries. You weren't really able to produce much in the playoffs, and your team lost in the first round. And it's sort of like, how do you respond? And Kyle came back, and even though it wasn't like one tangible thing Kyle was doing, um, he just got so much better at all the aspects of this game, and and really got into a great rhythm. And um, and he continued to improve from there to the point where even you know at age 35, Kyle was still able to earn a max contract for three full years, guaranteed from a rival team. Right, and I think that's where uh, for Fred, like I know he has high ambitions, and and it, it, it's just really cool to hear athletes being self aware. You know, like it, it is interesting how that happens because once you do something, people are just going to expect you to top that over and over and over again. And I don't think really that's how most people are built. Um, you know, I think it's unreasonable to expect it of most people. But you know, whenever you get into this position where um, your success is is and and your performances are so public, I think you really have to manage your own expectations of yourself, but also have to manage the public's expectation. And for Fred, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, it's a totally different level, but like, even for me, like after every off season, I think about like, okay, what do we do this year in terms of content, in terms of covering the Raptors and what are new things I want to hit and reach? Like, 
you know, if I just came in, did a reaction podcast every game, like or wrote ten things after every game, I don't think that's a like I don't think that's a success anymore. Like I, I think people really want more. They want to see access to the players. They want to hear storytelling on a on a deeper level. They want to hear more sourced information. They want to hear on a consistent basis, a you know, a daily show once a, once a day, maybe expand it to two hours. You know, all this other stuff. Like you always come into the off season with with plans to build, and I'm, I think Fred is you know exactly the same in that sense. Obviously, on a much more difficult level, but. I respect this approach quite a bit. Yeah, slow down on expanding the show to two hours. By the way, um, <laughs> we, we should talk about that off air. Will uh, let's let's not let's not have these discussions. Um, yeah. You know, okay. on on live radio. I think the other thing too with Fred, like set aside the competitiveness and all the stuff that he wants to do, he's very driven by money too, right? Like a lot of these athletes are, and yeah, he's course. he's going to have a player option after next season. So so I think as much as like he's taking it one season at a time, all the cliches. I think he's looking ahead to securing that next contract as well. And he knows the best way to to get that contract is to be a really good player on a really good team. And that's exactly what he told us at the start of the season, that he's not shy about talking about the individual goals, like making an all-star team or making an all-defensive team, because he knows that his success is going to drive the team's success. So it's yeah, never exactly. like a selfish approach to talking about those individual goals. So yeah, no, I totally expect in what is kind of quote-unquote a contract year for Fred. Like, he's definitely going to come back. And like we mentioned, listen, I have no concerns about what a healthy Fred Van Vliet can bring to the table. If anything, going into the next season, my only concern is the Nick Nurse math of, of keeping his minutes, uh, you know, to to 35. Like, like, you know, that equation just has to change a little. So hopefully by the time we're talking about Fred in like September, October, you know, we'll also be talking about the Raptors having brought in uh, another guard to support him. Yeah, hopefully. Definitely. Yeah, so we'll see about that. Um, yeah, so before we go to break, let's cover off Pascal Siakam as well. You know, Pascal was also asked about, you know, what he wants to improve on after a stellar all-NBA level season, and here's what he said. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of things. I mean, obviously, like, it's, it's pretty early, um, just, you know, after, after last night. Um, but... Uh, I definitely know that there's there's things out there that that I need to get better, you know. And I think one thing that I've always wanted to do it was to be a complete player, you know, play at all levels of the game, like you know, go all the way to the rim, um, mid range, and then be a threat at the three point line. I think like literally like that's for me what makes me a complete player. And then and then ball handling. And so I think those things just for me like that's like in general what what i see i mean all the all the details i think there's a lot more in depth on what i would need to work on that i'll, I'll probably I'll probably touch on but for now that's just like that's what i think like be like a threat at all three levels of the game yeah so during the 2019-20 season which ended up being the bubble season pascal shot over six threes a game in average and made 35.9 percent last year he fell to 29.7% on 4.4 attempts a game. This season, it fell to just 3.2 attempts a game, but he did shoot it at 34%. Is this becoming like a DeMar thing where we're just looking at the three now? I almost feel like, I think obviously it'd be great. Like this would take Pascal to the next level. We've talked about him potentially becoming a 25 to 30 point score. Um, do you feel like this is like a necessity for Pascal moving forward as an offensive player? Yeah, because if he wants to improve, like this is the weakest area of his game. Like I, I think he's really good around the basket. I mean, that's one of the great improvements this season is that he got back to being like close to seventy percent uh, within three feet, which is like 
for him, like he definitely needs to do that. I think that was one of the things with his with his breakout season was like, wow, look at how efficient he is around the basket. And you know, got away from that a little bit in the last couple of years. But I think we've seen him work on the mid range game. Um, I thought that was playoff proof as well, which was awesome. But you know, for a guy like Pascal, who is so close to becoming like a very very complete player, like he just needs to get that one more element to his game. And I think really for Pascal, the key is to like continue this like relationship that he has to three this season um, as compared to previous seasons. Because re- really right now, you're not seeing him like take a lot of threes early in the game, you know, knock down a few, then pull defenders closer to him, then use his quickness to beat them off the dribble. He already knows he can beat guys off the dribble. He can back guys down. He, he can get his matchup. You know, he can attack. He can do that with or without the three. I think really for him, it's sort of like the more he adds the three, first off, the more his, his scoring is going to scale up. Um, right now, like to do everything he's doing right now and only hit one three a game, he's averaging 23 points per game this season. He only makes one three a game, right? So if he could even just like hit two threes, which is not something that is out of his uh, possibility, even just like two years ago, he hit 2.2 per game and he shot it at 36%, as you mentioned. You hit two threes per game, you're already at 26 points, right? Like, and, and all of a sudden you get into that threshold where you're you're definitely in the all-star game. You're you're definitely in the conversation for all NBA consideration. And especially if he wants to take that even further. And for the Raptors offense, is also just like the way the Raptors want to play, they want all their guys to to be able to sort of play all the positions. And I think for Pascal, it's like, you know, we see it when he it's towards the end of the season when he was able to sort of knock down some catch and shoot opportunities. That's allows him to play a little bit more off the ball. He maybe doesn't necessarily get to the point where he has gravity off the ball, but he still has the ability to sort of be effective as a as you know as a pick and pop guy, as a guy who's going to you know catch it off a kickout, or even the way the Raptors swing the ball around. And the more he's able to expand the, his three point shot, I think the more that's going to allow Scotty Barnes to play on the ball and help Scotty as well. Because realistically, you know, the the game plan with Scotty is going to be the similar to the game plan with Pascal in the sense that people are going to be backing off of them, and if if they're off the ball, they'll sort of help off and everything like that. And yeah, Pascal's very close to becoming a complete offensive player anyway. And so he's correctly identified this as the next step for him. And um, based on how hard he works and based on, honestly, just his shooting form, especially, you know, seeing his success in the mid-range, I don't see a reason why he couldn't be a very effective three-point shooter. But the only thing I don't want to see is Pascal trading some of the downhill moves uh, in favor of more threes. I don't really think Pascal's a guy that's going to rely on the three. It's just going to be like a, another counter that he has in his bag. Yeah, you know, I think the bubble increasingly feels like an outlier for Pascal. But like when you mentioned kind of that trade-off, that's what I think of. I feel like when he was in the bubble, he was really settling uh, for for those three-point shots. But again, I don't think it's a completely different player now. And it's interesting, too, the other conversation with Pascal coming into the season was about him taking on a leadership role. And we heard at the mm-hmm. exit interviews, other players, including Gary Trent Jr., when he was asked about, you know, who did he learn from the most, a, a lot of his teammates pointed to Pascal as, as yeah. a leader of the team, just looking at his work ethic and just the way he carried himself throughout the 82-game regular season schedule. So here was Pascal reflecting on becoming a leader this season on the team. Yeah, that's a good question. Like, uh, I think for me, like, I'm probably asking myself those same questions, right? Like, trying to, trying to figure out how I can be helpful, and 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 I think just like with my personality, it's not, it's definitely not easy, um, to to be in those positions, like not really feeling that comfortable, and 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 you know, to be that that person that's gonna you know like talk and and do all these things. But I think that what I've learned, um, throughout this process is just that, um. 
sometimes me just going out there and giving everything that I have and playing my, my heart out and, and um, having fun and enjoying the game is enough. Like, like all me coming in the first in the gym and, and putting the work in. And, and sometimes for me, it just feels like routine, right? But like everyone else is looking at it, like, and people will mention it. And it's like, you know, you know that they're watching it. And, 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 and for them, it's like the younger guys that we have, you know, I hope that they probably take something from it. You know, I think that for me, like that's kind of like what I've learned is just that sometimes it's not just always about like just going out there and being vocal. It's just about like doing the right things and and doing like you know playing with with passion and 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 and, and being a leader on the court in terms of just like playing the game like and 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 putting everything into it is, is sometimes enough. Yeah, I love that. I love that perspective from Pascal because to me, just like throughout this season, he has just seemed so comfortable in his own skin in terms of who he is as a player and as a leader and i think you know major props to him like i think there was a lot of expectations a lot of chatter about him coming into the season and you know he answered the call on on all fronts in my opinion yeah i think i'm happy for him on a personal level too like i I just think Mm -hmm. it's it's so hard being in the public spotlight if you're not comfortable with yourself and you see it all the time with athletes and celebrities and you know there's all these there's what you truly are and also um, the public perception of you. And especially if that's not aligned, especially if you're not even sure who you are, I think it's such an uncomfortable place to be in. So I think just seeing him and the clarity that he played with this season was awesome. Um, I also think that what he said about leadership is, is totally true. I mean, like realistically, I don't know why in sports, like people just act like, um, you know, these these young kids don't know anything that they're doing and, and they need somebody in the room yelling at them all the time and, and you know, like holding their hand and, and, and doing all the other stuff. Like, I mean, you don't expect that out of any other industry, do you? You know, like these are just people. <laughs> um, and, and these are full-grown adults who are, you know, uh, multi-million entities, um, you know, who have lots of people in their ear and all this stuff. And of course, like having good leadership is important, but I don't think it's like the whole thing. Like, I don't think you need to be in their face all the time. The, like Pascal's what he's describing is it does remind me a lot of, um, uh, you know, something between Kawhi or DeMar's demeanor towards it too, where they weren't as vocal, um, but they were so hardworking. And I think that sets an example. Like, um, you know, Nick Nurse was talking about in his exit interview that some days, you know, uh, the night before Pascal would drop like, you know, a 30 point triple double. And then he come to the, uh, the gym the next day at OVO and he's there at like eight 30 and Pascal's finishing up his workout, you know? And like the fact that he's beating the coaches there, like that's, that's pretty incredible to see. And I think that, you know, sometimes leadership really can just look like you doing your job. And I think people like just see that appreciated and, uh, you know, try to copy it. We also have, like, actual tangible examples of Pascal taking guys under his wing. We know that he's really helped out with Justin Champagny and his development this season. Um, and, you know, of course, hosting team events and just being, a, a, a you know, one of the main players on the team. But I think more than anything else, that that's really all you want out of other people. Like, you can't live these other people's for them. Like, you can't live their life for them. Like, Pascal's not their parent. <laughs> They're just teammates, you know. And if you do a good job at work, hopefully other people see your see what you do and, and try to emulate that all, all realistically you want to see is people working hard towards the same goal. And uh, Pascal's total dedication towards that is, is, is very cool to see. Yeah, no, I think those are really good points. And, you know, you just don't, I think the authenticity is, is really important. Like you don't want to step out of your comfort zone and be something that you're not. I think people can see through that, especially in yeah, a locker course. room. And, the, and, and there's also like, 
you know, how many how many vocal voices do you really need? Because Fred is clearly, you know, the leader of this team in that regard. And it's not necessarily like you need that many voices. It just makes me think of, you know, before Spencer Dinwiddie was traded to the Mavericks this season, early in the year when he joined Washington, you know, he had this uh, quote that he told reporters that he tried to take on a more vocal role and his teammates basically just told him to shut the F up. <laughs> They're like, we don't want to hear from you. <laughs> He's like, he's like, yeah, I tried to step up and be a leader and everybody just told me to shut up, basically. So it's like, you have to just know your role too. And when you're such a great player like Pascal, you know, the, mm. the things that people do not see and, and uh, the leadership qualities that do not get advertised, like the work ethic, like you mentioned, and that consistency from day to day, like sometimes that really is enough. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to take a quick break right here. I'm your host, Will Luke. That's Alex Wong. You've been listening to the Raptors show on Sports FM 90 The Fan. When we come back, more of the Toronto Raptors' exit interviews uh, as they conclude the 2021-2022 season. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590. The fan. I'm your host, Walu. I continue to be joined with producer and co-host Alex Wong. Alex, once again, I'm here to ask you about your favorite Asian athlete of the day. And uh, what's yeah, that's name? right. So today I'm gonna go with a golfer Y E Yang who beat Tiger Woods in the 2009 PGA Championship. For all my diehard golfer fans who also Damn. love the Raptor Show. I think you'll remember this matchup. I believe it went to the playoffs. Yo, it's I remember watching dad. this with my dad, man. It was thrilling. Okay. So, Damn. Yeah, I don't think my dad's listening anymore now that we're off TV. He's like, oh, well, you guys are done. So, um, yeah, do you have an Asian athlete of the day, Will? Do I have an Asian athlete of the day? Yeah, let's, I don't know. Let's shout out Chloe. Pick Kim. a poker player, man. There's a lot of good Asian poker players. Um, my, Myself. And poker. <laughs> Poker, poker, poker is a sport. As, as evidence by the start of the show, myself. <laughs> yeah, I no comment, the, man. I flop the flush. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. This guy, this no, guy was drawing play. dead on live radio. He had to reset. No, it's, it's, that's not what happened. It was, my, it was my ringtone. It's my ringtone. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was actually me. It was actually me. I'm taking all. No, the it wasn't you, man. Why do you have to take the hit for this? Oh, come on, <laughs> no, man. no, no. I got you. I got you. So, so did you name it? Did you name your favorite Asian athlete of the day? What's going on, man? Yeah, Chloe Kim. Oh, okay. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I think because yeah. uh, producer Derek intern was speaking my ear, so so I couldn't hear you. Once oh, again, okay. there are now there are now eight tickets left for our live event on May sixteenth. Superfresh.eventbrite.ca. It's going to be a really fun event. Like, it, yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, you know, I just and I just it's want a cool venue, man. FOMO. It's a yeah. cool venue. You're donating to a good cause. We're going to put on a really good show. So everybody check it out. I feel like this summer, we also need to organize an Alex and Will Mahjong tournament, a poker tournament, definitely. And since you love Ultimate Frisbee and once gave oh. someone a concussion playing it, I think we should have an Ultimate Frisbee game as well. So if there are any stands out there that want to organize any of those three or all three in one day, hit me up. I'll gladly outsource all of this work to you. Yeah, no, this sounds amazing. Um, I, honestly, like, I, you know, I'm very realistic about the fact that I'm not a good athlete, but um, I'm pretty good at Ultimate Frisbee, man. I'm just going to say that right now. 
So I know you you said that about basketball, and then I went to the park with you. No, I, I know I, I said specifically it'd be good if I scored six points in the whole tournament, and I think I finished <laughs> with exactly six. So very realistic yeah. on that one. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, back to the 55th best Raptor show episode you've listened to this year. So continuing with our exit interview recaps, uh, I didn't pull any clips for Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, or OG Ananobi. Like, if we're if we're being real, none of them are really good quotes right now. Like, we know we know OG uh, is very. Uh, what's the best way to describe OG? Will he's very brief? Yeah. I mean, intentionally so. Like, I think, like he, I think he leans into that character a little bit. Um, right, but right. Also, at the same time, like, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's not saying that these people don't have interesting things to say. They just like don't always do so in the in the context of a media interview, especially when it's like them by themselves at the podium with like you know 20 people in the room asking them like, "What are you going to come back on with this summer?" And they're going to be like, "I'm going to work my whole game," you know. Yeah, so uh, you know Gary Trent Jr. We uh, his his YouTube video of his exit interview has magically disappeared. I believe mm. uh, maybe because of the hat that he was wearing. Scotty Barnes too. That's I mean, a silly Scotty reason. did talk. I mean, about, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Scotty Barnes did talk about. You know, he was asked after a hectic few years. You know, in college, and then, and then you know his rookie season in the NBA. Whether this off season was a chance for him to take a deep breath. And he said, quote, I already took my deep breath. It's time to keep going. Just keep putting the foot on their neck. I think this aligns with what Masai was talking about yesterday, too, about Scotty's improvement. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think the optimism comes from not just the raw talent that is there, but, you know, he seems very dedicated to putting in the work to, to get to that next level. Yeah, I, I think there's so much clear evidence of that. Like, I... I mean, I think he set the bar a little bit too high already with his rookie season, but Scotty's the kind of player I wouldn't be surprised if he won a most improved award at some point. Maybe it'll be like a job most improved, you know, like he was already good, but then takes a leap and whatever. And I mean, you just see it like the improvements from what he was in college to what he did in the first year in the NBA was already tremendous. And when you really just think about it, like a lot of the draft um, predictions and analysis None of it, outside of maybe David Thorpe, which is why we stand David, it's just like none of them really pointed to this version of Scotty that we saw in year one. Everyone's expectations were already low. Even people who were high on Scotty didn't think that he would do what he did in year one. And to me, that doesn't say like, you know, all these draft experts don't know anything. I don't think that's the case. I think what it really said was that Scotty has worked really hard on his game in a short amount of time and worked really hard on his body. And he came to the league and was ready to go. And I think with the full offseason um, and all the ability to train and everything like that, I expect him to continue improving. And he's at the start of um, something really great. Um, you know, you even see, for example, something with his shot. Like, um, you know, going home this weekend, I, I, I picked up a copy of um, Nick Nurse's Gold Book of Shooting, which I, I had left with my dad. And, um, you know, in those like five pages, and I'm not even kidding, there's maybe like five pages of text in there. Uh, all in Comic Sans. Um, but, you know, Nick really talks about, like, you know, the ideal shooting form, at least in his opinion. And and for him, basically, it's about, you know, if you're a right-handed shooter, lining up your foot with the center of the rim, your right foot with the center of the rim, and then keeping a straight line from your foot up through your elbow, up through your shot, and, you know, uh, you know pushing essentially from the right side of your body to go up. And if you actually notice Scotty's shot, like, he's really making a pointed effort to sort of shift that to the side, and essentially follow that Nick Nurse method. And, um, 
you know, I think that shooting process will take a probably more than just the summer. Uh, but we know that he's going to put the work in. He's dedicated to greatness. Every single quote that he talks about is about greatness. As Masai said in his uh, exit interview yesterday, when they interviewed Scotty in the uh, in in the, the draft process, uh, Scotty said winning about a hundred times. And if you know Masai, like I think that sealed sealed it more than anything else. A six nine guy who's going to win. <laughs> there was no other option for Masai at option at pick number four. So. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to seeing what Scotty is going to do next year. I think a lot of people are already expecting like 20 points, you know, eight rebounds, five assists, something like that. And even though that sounds wildly optimistic, it's not that far removed from what he did in the second half of the season. So um, he's the number one reason for optimism. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I know I know A. Marie, one thing is, is one of your favorite songs. Classic. Um, if, yeah, if Asian there is Heritage one month, thing. Once again. Yeah, uh, producer Derek, please line that up for the outro of, of this show. Um, what is if you were to pick just one thing, like one thing you want to see Scotty come back with next season, whether you know it's a very specific thing or a mentality, whatever it is, like what's the one thing you want to see from Scotty next season? Catch and shoot corner three. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's going to help the rest of the offense too. Like I was just thinking back to Game Six, right? Like the way that the Sixers were game planning against him and Joel was guarding him, but also just helping off him entirely. Like if you can just hit the corner three consistently, not only is going to give Scotty like more points on the board, uh, but it's going to help the rest of the team's offense. And, and, you know, as much as I want Scotty individually to succeed, the overall goal is for the Raptors to succeed. And that's always the overall goal is how much can the Raptors win? And yeah, a corner three would really help. What about one thing for OG and Anobi? Yeah, probably just like continuing to work on the the handles and the balance portion of it. Um, I, I think that he has really good. He, he has like a really good three point shot that he's he's already improved quite a bit. Um, he has a pretty good inside game, especially between the, how strong he is and, and you know just his ability to finish with left and the right hand. Um, what he needs is to connect the two, you know, and, and I think that's where the handles and everything else comes in. Yeah, so we've got Amy Otterbird and Vivek Jacob joining Will tomorrow on the show. Um, maybe you can do it tomorrow. I'm just suggesting content to you on air right now. Yeah, I love ahead, to man. hear just like of all these players, like just ranking like who has the most left in their ceilings. Like obviously Scotty is number one, but I'd be really curious to to hear what they have to say about that. But you know, just a suggestion. Usually when I'm off, I put in suggested topics and they just get deleted. Um, so what about okay. uh, Gary Trent? What about Gary Trent Jr.? What's the one thing you want to see from Gary coming back next season? I think it's just the like the same committed approach towards the defensive end of the floor. Um, I think that he got really successful in the the ability to to swipe at the ball, to pass through the ball. You know, a lot of games where he had tons of steals. It was, continues to be really high in deflections. But I think it's also just like the, the, the elements of the game where, you know, for the Raptors, like they want to build a team where they have no weaknesses defensively. And I think what the playoffs did show you was that the Sixers ultimately deemed Gary as the weakest spot on the floor. And so he's got to take that personally and continue to improve his defense. But, um, you know, I, I think in his interview, he also talked about uh, how much Gary Trent Sr. is on him every day to improve. So I, I have no doubt that he's going to come back a tougher You're defender. a sucker. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know why that oh, clip man. always just shakes me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I always have to like, look behind me to see if, Gary, yeah, I gotta see if Gary Trent Sr. is there. Uh, lastly, the last player I want to get to today, Precious Achua. Really just another wonderful 
development story for this organization. And Precious talked about at his exit interview how he felt like this uh, this felt like a rookie season for him. To 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 a certain extent, I kind of consider this year my first year in the NBA. Um, just just based on the opportunity um, that I had here um, playing, I didn't really get a lot of those last year. Uh, I didn't get a lot of opportunity to really showcase my game or grow my game, you know. And it was for it's not putting it's not you know bashing anyone or anything. It's just it's just you know. The, the situation, so um, it was, it's different, and I think the situation we had here this year um, allowed me to um, grow my game, you know, and expand. And to to an extent, I consider this like my first real NBA year. Yeah, I thought that That's was really interesting, interesting from Very Precious. And, and the other thing I want to point out too is just that. I know a lot of times, you know, when you see like a player like Desmond Bain playing well and, you know, Raptors fans will be like, well, he was taking a spot after Malachi Flynn. Like, why didn't we get this player? You know, if you're going to criticize the Raptors. Because he has like, a 6'6 six, six wingspan. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, I don't want to care. probably why. <laughs> I don't want to carry water, water for the organization, but it's like in the same breath, like you have to give credit for stories like a precious Achua because nobody thought he was anything when he was included in the Kyle Lowry signing trade. Like, sure, there was maybe some, like, tantalizing promise of, me, of a prospect man. there. But right, like, but, like, why? the why? thing why is, you saw nothing. Anything? But you saw the raw athleticism, but, like, he talked about, like, he didn't get that opportunity in Miami, right? Like, he didn't get an opportunity at all to showcase anything. So, yeah. so I think that was where the pessimism was coming from because, like, people need to see it first before they can kind of, you know, feel like there's another step that that they could take. And it it was a pretty underwhelming rookie season from Precious in Miami, right? Sure, but I think like this is where the limitations of like the NBA fan and even the NBA media like comes in because we're so mm-hmm. focused on just the one league, we don't see the totality. And I think that that's something when talking to Bobby about it, he's like, "Look, we've been watching him in high school. We've been watching him." In college, we've been watching him in Miami. Like he's played different roles pretty much throughout, right? He was like a point guard, and then you know at Memphis, he was sort of asked to be the center, and he was sort of a transition kind of thing where it's kind of in between a point guard and a center. And then last year for Miami, he was pure hustle guy, and like now to Toronto, like he didn't really find his role immediately, but then really settled in. And when you have the longer term approach and the longer term scope, you can see the talent more clearly. And I think for him. Part of the reason why I think he probably, because this is his rookie year, is that he got all the opportunities to do all of that. He got the opportunity to start. He got the opportunity to be a defender. He got the opportunity to be a three-point shooter in the second half of the season. We saw him take it off the dribble and make a lot of impressive moves. And, um, yeah, I mean, for him, it's just like, you know, you have so much skill there. Continue to expand all areas. Continue to explore. And and it's too early in his career to sort of like sell him into one specific role. I think maybe in the longer term or in the short term, you might say, well, if we gave him a specific role and he stuck to that role, we might have more like predictable and maybe more dependable efficiency and sort of um, production. But also at the same time, when you give him the the rope to see everything that there is in his game in the long run i think that's where you get the best outcome for him and i think the raptors will take that long term approach yeah i was thinking too i know this is super early but you know maybe we'll see a scenario where precious is in the starting lineup next season and we can have gary come off the bench as a six man mm. like you know i, mean, I feel look, like that could be I, one I would, option i would be very i'd be very interested to see if somebody's able to convince 
a player in his uh, contract year to come off the bench, even though he did pretty well in the starting opportunity the year before. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I we'll see if, if Nick has the juice to do that and get him to buy in and be completely happy and, and sell him on the fact that he'll continue to get his money. Even if he comes off the bench, that'd be a great job by Nick, but uh, that'd be difficult. Cause I don't think Gary did anything necessarily to warrant a demotion to the bench, especially in a rookie seat uh, off a, off a contract where, you know, he's, he's coming into uh, a, another potential payday, but you know, no, I think I think that's fair, but also it's just about like kind of aligning some of the talent that you have. And and I get the point of like, you know, having to talk Gary into that role. You know how else you can make a lot of money if you win six man of the year? Like, uh, you know, I think if you can come off the bench and play that role, you know, I feel like maybe the minutes won't even waver that much from what he got this year and you know, he'll he'll be able to maybe get the ball more, you know, playing with the second unit and all that stuff. So, I actually don't think it's that tough of a buy-in, but again, We'll we'll see if that happens. This is like what six months away. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think we have one more clip here from Precious that I thought was pretty hilarious. Oh right, so Precious was asked about whether he was gonna get stronger, especially after a series guarding Joel Embiid, and here's what he said: No, I don't need to put on 300 pounds. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, I like the way I look. I like the way I run. The way I jump. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna stick to that. But yeah, you know, definitely get stronger. You know. Um, um, lift more, but not not with the goal of hitting 300 pounds. But you know, get stronger definitely. You know, the guy, all the guys get stronger as well. And yeah, man, yeah, a 300 pound pressures uh, would be uh would, would, would be kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, we, honestly, well, first of all, we need we need the Photoshop of that. I think this is when like future trunks, uh, you know, went in that time capsule and came back out. But, but um, no, shouts shouts to Precious, man. Um, I'm really excited yeah. about what he's gonna bring next season. Yeah, exactly. That does it for us today. I'm your host, Walu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm Nani the Fan. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review our show. Thanks again, my producer and co-host, Alex Wong, and our board producer, Derek Brandale. I will talk to you soon.